0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature.
1: It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
2: Where are we?
0: We are in Harrogate, the centre of Harrogate. Uh, We're about just under 600 metres from the finish line of the World Championship. And who are you? And I'm Lizzie Dykman.
2: Fantastic. I'm glad you said it, because now I won't ever pronounce it wrong again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just spelt wrong, really.
1: (laughs) Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door.
3: glorious day.
1: Yeah,
0: not bad. Really good. Although, you know, we're only five minutes away from a rainstorm. So.
2: <laughs> Don't say that.
0: <laughs> so the wheel comes this way up there.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so that's why there's quite a bit of work going on. Uh,
2: isn't a lot of the routes in Harrogate the same as the tour did when it came here? I so think, yeah, finishing, finishing straight. straight last, is, yeah. Past Betty's. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Shiny helmet too. It's cool.
2: Sagan special. Yeah. Shiny shoes. Oh, wow. You know, it, I can't... So com- they're all Sagan? Yeah, limited, yeah.
1: Right.
2: Cool. I'm a bit of a tart for it. <laughs> thing is, if I can't go as fast as people, I have to I have to make up for it in other yeah, ways, do I? Yeah, to look shiny. Wear black to look slim, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, you normally live in Monaco. Yeah. But you grew up here, right? You grew up in Otley, or...?
0: Yeah, I grew up in Otley my whole life uh i think my parents moved into our house when i was about six months old okay so yeah that's the only house i've ever known and yeah it's a good a lovely place actually. real community you know <laughs> that's what i miss about being away from home we're getting left here
2: i was talking to geraint thomas and uh chris froome together a couple of weeks before we recorded this and um they're very different in terms of their view of in terms of their view of Monaco. Right. For Chris he says Africa feels like a long way away now and he feels like Monaco's home and he'll probably be there after he retires whereas Geraint was saying he can't wait to get back to Cardiff. Yep. Monaco made him the rider he is. Yep. But when he's done he's back to South Wales like a shot.
0: Uh, which, I would which agree. One are you with, most like? I might yeah, do, yeah, definitely. I mean, it serves a purpose, and there's no doubt, like, I've had a better career because I've been baser. Just the consistency of the weather is a huge thing. The amount of climbing that I do every day, um, the bubble is the main thing. So, yeah. like, yeah, we've been at home in the UK between the Tour de Yorkshire and the women's store, so it's been about six weeks. Yes. And there's just, you know, I've got family and friends here, and I end up feeling guilty for not seeing them enough. And, it, you know, when I do see them, it's kind of comprising recovery between sessions. Yeah.
1: So,
0: yeah, you have to kind of be very boring to be good, so...
2: <laughs> there's always a trade-off of sorts, though, isn't there? Especially now you're a mum to Orla
0: yeah exactly yeah Um, she is the priority no doubt so recovery is not what it used to be but we're figuring it out slowly between me and Phil about how what's best to do when I get back in from training and Orla's sleep routine and stuff it all just takes a bit of time to settle and I feel like we're on the cusp of kind of being more relaxed with
2: everything. You know? Yeah. And let's go sort of before Orla was born because obviously with Phil people might not know that he used to race race for Team Sky before retiring. So he must be more understanding than most partners would be given that he's lived a life himself.
0: Yeah. I would be lost without him completely. Like, like I say, to be good you have to be boring and a lot of the times you just feel shattered. You're either riding your bike or getting in and feeling shattered and to have somebody there who's not kind of demanding that we go off and do things, you know, it's a big sacrifice for him as well. Yeah. And I suppose I kind of lived that last year when I was pregnant and not riding my bike. I'm not training, you know. Yes. And I was bored, I was so bored. You know, he was going out training all day and coming back and- <laughs> <Are> you jealous? <laughs> I was jealous, yeah. So I can understand his point of view as well now that it is limiting. To be the partner of a professional athlete is limiting. So it does help that he understands that.
2: It's a damn sight easier though for the male pros to become parents without it affecting their routine too much. Yeah. You know, if their partner goes into labour and they're away at a race, they might pop back for a couple of days and, and get back on it. Whereas clearly you... And other mums you raise have had to take months out to let nature take its course. Yeah, yeah. It, let's, let's talk about what it was like being pregnant. It was frustrating because you couldn't be the athlete that you're used to being.
0: I suppose I was at a point, though, where I was very ready for a change and a rest. Yeah. And a different focus. Um, I'd got really tired of the professional athlete life. Uh-huh. I wanted more and taking a year off to you know whilst being pregnant i i embraced other things um just stupid stuff like i've been invited to wimbledon for the last 10 years you know and i've never been but this year i went and soaked up all the mocktails and the atmosphere and just enjoyed the benefits that you, kind of the rewards that you get for being successful. I indulged in those a little bit and that was fun. Um, But it's also a reminder that when you're in it, like now, and I'm tired and I sometimes resent the life, the boring life, actually it suits me better because I'm not kind of a party-goer anyway. And that year off reminded me that, all those things that I think I'm missing. I'm not, really, if you, you know what I mean.
2: You're not Bradley Wiggins.
0: <laughs> Definitely not Bradley Wiggins, so. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm boring, probably.
2: <laughs> so when Ola arrived, did it knock you for six?
0: Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, having a baby is crazy. Like, <laughs> you think, you know, you hear all these parents Uh, saying how hard it is and how you know you'll miss all your normal things in life blah 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 and honestly that first six weeks I just thought how is this possible because at that moment in time you have no idea that it's going to get better Yeah. and you just think I can't function like this and you know those moments I was thinking how on earth am I going to get back to professional sport (laughs) Um, but just i really kind of forgot about cycling for about six weeks yeah i said to myself this is about you and orla and phil and that's all i focus on day after day like just getting through each day you know
2: It's special how it forces you to change, doesn't it? Yeah, it
0: does, yeah.
2: I'm a dad, so I've got two girls. I can't really remember life before they came along because I'm a completely different person because of these two small people running around. And it happens very quickly, doesn't it?
0: I think in the beginning, that was almost... It was a massive clash in my mind. Like, I'd been so used to being selfish and focused on what was right for me and my career. Yeah. Actually rather than get anxious by the change in routine or that things aren't going well with all it, it's kind of like learning to accept that and embrace it has made all the difference. I'm so much more relaxed than I used to be.
2: Has it made you happier?
0: Oh ten times, yeah. Way happier. Yeah, I love being a mum. Yeah.
2: I've seen the pictures on Instagram the smiles are a mile wide especially
0: hers (laughs) A
2: lovely smile
0: yeah she's um, she's full of life and character already I think that's also nice like at the moment she's changing so much yeah Um, and she's becoming a little person you know we are a family of three now and not just two parents who've got this kind of little package of scariness that she was when she arrived you know like we're all have our place now in the family
2: and you sought some advice and help from the likes of dave sarah story he's a good friend of mine and obviously a, a racing mum laura kenny as well you spoke to them about combining the cycling life with uh with being a mum
0: yeah yeah And um, laura was lovely you know very congratulated and explained that you know it'll be hard but don't give up because it's worth it and you will enjoy it um, and she was right and then sarah i spoke to specifically about breastfeeding because she breastfed both of her children for quite a long time yeah. even after she started racing so i just came to kind of get rid of some of the myths that were around that and understand better what i was capable of doing so she was really useful for that
2: I think it's really important isn't it for professional women athletes to dispel those myths around being a mum and being an athlete you know about this stuff recently with nice. yeah some athletes saying that, that I'm been supported by my sponsors I know you have yeah so I'm not asking you about that but you must see the landscape and think this is there's still so much work to do to, yeah. to accept mums just doing what is the most natural thing on earth
0: exactly i think there's massive uh what's the word there's still loads to be done in terms of protecting athletes as employees yeah because it's kind of like everyone's hobby cyclists and then they're lucky enough you know it's often described as lucky enough to become professionals and you're so desperate that sometimes you might accept things in your contract that aren't correct um, and you know everyone's expected to be superhuman so there aren't the protections that a lot of normal employment contracts have so yeah things like maternity should be in place but in my opinion things like paternity should always be in place as yeah, well because yeah. you know like you say there are men who have you know their wife giving birth two days later, they're going to a three-week tour. And there's this perception that, well, you know, that's fine. But I'm sure the majority of men would like the protection to be able to say to their team, I'm not racing for two weeks or three weeks. Yes. And that not be seen negatively, you know. so competitive to be a professional male cyclist. As, contracts up for grabs at the end of every season, unless there is that bar set in your contract, but it's okay to have parental leave. Then it'll never happen because you're so replaceable.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But, you know, there's so much more to it, like mental health as well is a massive issue at the moment and being talked about, which is really good, but that comes from treating athletes like humans yes. and allowing things like a family life to be part of, you know, success. Yeah. And it's just so old school cycling. I'm going left, yeah. It's not really afforded to anybody.
2: The cycling's so old school, I think there's still that attitude that, wow, you're so lucky to be a pro cyclist. It's not luck, is it? It's hard work and it's talent, like any
0: yeah. profession. Yeah, there's not many people who are lucky to be a professional athlete. It takes years of dedication and sacrifice and um, it's not as easy as it sometimes looks, no.
2: So the dedication started on these roads, didn't
0: it? It did, yeah. How yeah. old
2: were you when you started getting out on your bike and who was influential? Your mum, your dad, who took you out first?
0: So I started cycling when I was 15
2: quite
0: late. Um, Yeah I was talent spotted at school so I wasn't a cyclist didn't have a bike Um, and basically British cycling were talent spotting sending kind of trailers into schools full of bikes and crude kind of testing on school fields sprinting (laughs) and I was to be honest I was just messing around and then there was this lad who I'd known since primary school who kind of Haunted me into having a race with him, and (laughs) I couldn't resist. And I beat him, obviously. And uh, I was given a bike and a coach and 500 pounds of lottery funding. Wow!
2: Which,
0: when you're 15, I'm waitressing for three quid an hour. You know, I was like, this looks all right, actually. Yeah, I I basically started from there, and I was lucky enough that my first coach was a guy called Phil West. He's a successful cyclist himself and full of character and probably the best coach I've ever had or will have. He just brought out the best in me and taught me so much Um, from a really balanced perspective because I think at that age, it's balance is so important. There are so many good riders, I'm going left here, who I beat you know who were beating me as a junior yes i was nowhere near them but they fell away at kind of 17 18. because they'd not had that balance and
2: you mean balance in their life yeah, yeah you know
0: and lucky for me i was from an active sporting family but mum and dad weren't ever saying lizzie get to that bike race or no. you know um, they weren't pushy. I'm always, you know, taking the mick out of them that they're glory supporters because <laughs> they've only started coming to bike races when I started getting good.
1: <laughs>
0: um, but no, I, I owe a lot to, to Phil West, really.
2: Did you fall in love with it straight away?
0: No, 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 no. I thought it was a weird sport. I was like, weird old man's sport, which it was back then.
2: It still kind of is, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, there's lots of shiny people around these days back then it was like baggy lycra yellow sort of waterproof and i wasn't good at it to begin with like i was all right but i wasn't winning Um, but something kind of kept me going probably phil west yeah and then as soon as i started to have a bit of success that's when i enjoyed it
2: what did they see in you that made them think you've got talent, you can do this. Was it competitive nature? Was it your physicality? What was it?
0: I think it was my physicality. Yeah. Competitiveness is something I lack, I think. I wish I was more competitive. Um, Physically, my talent has always been my ability to recover really quickly. Uh So those efforts on the track, which is where I started, points race type efforts, I was just very good at yeah um, so it's probably that.
2: So going all out for 20 minutes recovering <laughs> yeah. because tr- track meets there's always several races in an evening isn't there so you yeah, have to recover quick.
0: Is, yeah. And about you know sprinting to the points and then recovering straight away in order to carry on for the next sprint. Or yeah
2: then. and any young cyclist listening would you extol the virtues of starting on the track and getting your, getting your race craft home there and your bike handling skills as well. Is that, is that a good place to start you think?
0: Yeah, 100%. I think the track is the best place to start, well it was for me, because you're learning about everything, um, race tactics, uh, how to like the efficiency of your pedal stroke, you know, yeah. you're on a fixed gear, you don't have brakes, so you have to use your energy effectively and efficiently. Um you deal with things like as simple as having a stadium full of people, you know the crowds. It feels quite pressurized because you're in this kind of goldfish ball. Yeah.
2: Um let oh, those guys go past. Stunning stately home we just went past actually.
0: Yeah, there's so many around yeah. here.
2: It is beautiful.
0: Thank you, I think so.
2: Yeah, it really (laughs) is. Anyway, back to the early years. Which other riders did you come across then that we will know now?
0: Joanna Roussel. Yeah. Chant. She was this super, super shy um, girl from London. And she had no choice when I met her but to come out of her shell, I think. Kind of dragged her out of it. And (laughs) we became really good friends and have been ever since because... We went on the same journey really. We both were from non-cycling families. Yes. Um both weren't the best to begin with. But joe was just like if you ever spent time with her or around her on a bike, she's just raw power. Like yeah. she's so strong. And when the team pursuit came into the Olympic programme, like couldn't have been more perfect for her. She's made so, for her yeah. such an incredible athlete so yeah she was yeah a lifelong friend that i made and then i mean on the men's side of the program i was junior at the same time as people like peter kenner yeah johnny bellis that was kind of the group at the time uh, and they've all gone on to have their own success too
1: you should celebrate yourself every day That plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com
3: slash ACAST code ACAST.
2: When did it start to become a thing where you thought, actually, this could be my job, this could be my life and career?
0: I think there was a turning point um, after sixth form. So, you have those UCAS days at school. And I remember saying to my mum the night before the UCAS day, I don't think I'll bother going to school tomorrow, mum. My mum's brilliant. Like, she was a teacher, believe it or not. And she kind of said, well, yeah, fine. You know, if you don't want to go to uni, don't waste your time.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was very lucky that I had that kind of open-minded approach at home. It wasn't like uni is the be-all and end-all. And it was weird because at the time, every single day at school, there was something about university. Nothing for the people who wanted to do a trade or an apprenticeship or something else. So it kind of felt like going to school was a waste of time. But I did it. I did my A-levels. And... I got this offer to go on the academy and I think it was something like £6,000 a year, subsidised rent and a track based programme in Manchester and it just seemed more appealing at the time than going to university so yeah I took the leap and moved to Manchester.
2: Up to that point what other ambitions did you have, did you want to be anything else?
0: I always wanted to be a policewoman which is weird but no I hadn't got you know something that I was passionate about and I feel so lucky that cycling found me because it's given me an incredible life you know that I wouldn't have found for myself unless the talent team came to school
2: Was there a point where it clicked though where instead of thinking oh I've got to go and do this I've got to go and do that I want to do it I want to get out and get better yeah
0: yeah Um, we went to, me and my friend went to a World Cup on the track. Yeah. And I remember watching Vicky Pendleton, and she was just phenomenal. Like, the crowds were just up on their feet every time she got up on the track, and it was the first time that I kind of thought, cycling's actually quite cool. (laughs) You know, it still felt kind of a little bit embarrassing. I didn't go to school on my bike, or... You know, being in like her around friends, just, I, I wasn't ashamed, but I wasn't proud either. Yeah. So, I guess watching the elite track team having that success, thinking, actually, I want a slice of that.
2: You mentioned Laura Kenny before. Now, Laura, obviously a trackie too, who sort of forced herself almost to do road, but her heart was always on the track, and she's yeah. now getting ready for. Tokyo 2020 with her husband. Or is it you the other way around? Did you obviously start on track, but then did you think the road is the one for me?
0: So um, I was a points race rider through and through. That was my ability and where my heart laid. I loved the the game of the points race and also the kind of athlete you had to be to do well in the points race. It suited me. But then It was just before London 2012, they changed the Olympic programme and they made it into the Omnium and the Team Pursuit. So the Omnium had the flying lap in it um, and the pursuit in it, timed events.
2: Not your cup of tea. Not
0: my cup of tea. I tried, I tried really, really hard to improve my pursuit, but I'm not somebody who can hold that power by myself for what is it three and a half minutes
1: yeah
0: you know i'm not the big engine like joe grouse or laura kenny um i'm a good team her because it's that on offer again yeah. but so the writing was on the wall really and when you had somebody like laura kenny coming up through the ranks you know i couldn't you know <laughs> i had no answer to her in the omnium so actually i made the decision to quit the track and focus on the road and try and make the London 2012 road team which could have been a long shot at the time when I made that decision but I absolutely loved it and I have always loved the road more yeah I'm somebody who likes to be outside for me the track towards the end I hated it I really hated it
2: cuz you're stuck indoors
0: yeah it felt a bit like, you know, when you go in through the doors, I mean, it's not the same anymore. I have a different perspective on it now, but it felt like walking into hospital at the time. Like the same plastic doors, walls, and I just, yeah. in comparison to getting out in the fresh air, it was no comparison. No.
2: Me. I remember vividly you racing to silver at London 2012. Yeah. Not least because all the cycling team were wearing those helmets that looked like made you look like an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the first medal of the London Olympics, isn't it? it was, that you yeah. got, and you were racing Mariana Voss to to get to, on the podium. Um, you must have felt pretty vindicated having then become a medal-winning Olympian.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was the best decision I ever made, um, and. It was a decision based on what made me happiest rather than what was the best chance of a medal. You know, if I'd have stayed on the track and tried to make the Team Pursuit team, if you're good enough to be in a British Team Pursuit team, then you're good enough to get an Olympic medal, no doubt, you know? So the road was a complete lottery. we going left here. Um, and I suppose since then, I've always tried to make decisions that include my happiness in them because you're always more successful when you're happy.
2: Yeah. And that then started, well, it didn't really start. You obviously were obviously doing well before then, but really set in motion a chain of events which saw you winning all sorts of things. Yeah. Including the World Championships in Richmond in Virginia in the US 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Same year, Sagan won his first as well. I mean, what a pair of winners. And <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah, I
0: think that's where the similarities stop, though. Oh, I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, again, I was. I didn't have to jog my memory to remember it because I remember watching you right at the end of the race. You went off the front. Yeah. The rest of the bunch up front with you panicked, couldn't get you back. You eased off. They caught you, you went again. Yeah. Great race-winning move. And you were just so much stronger. And you knew it, right?
0: Yeah, I did, yeah. It was, that was my race to lose. Um, looking back now, when I'm kind of fighting for top tens at the moment, I think, God, why did I enjoy that more? I literally would decide how the race would go because I was that strong. Um, And that's so much fun to race like that.
2: (laughs) Uh, Why were you so strong at the time? Was it both physical and mental strength?
0: A bit of both. I mean, I trained like an animal, like crazy. I just, I was relentless. I didn't leave anything to chance. I never did less, I always did more. Yeah. Um,
2: Of what, what kind of training? What, What made you train like an animal?
0: Uh, I suppose that winter, I was with Phil, and Phil moved in, and he
1: was—he
0: was an incredible professional. Like Phil, never ever once said, "I can't be bothered today." Yeah. The words never came out of his mouth, and I suppose you kind of rise to your environment, don't you? And yeah. he always ate so well and ate a lot, like things you know my nutrition improved dramatically when he moved in because I always wanted to be as lean as possible and I used to do that by not eating enough yeah and when he moved in it was like you know he'd force <laughs> he'd do like the Irish mammy and try and feed me up um <laughs> but it worked and I trained behind him quite a lot and just I started to have these kind of sparks of success, like a lot of second places. And I just had the belief then I could do it.
2: And that took you to the US. And then did you know, before the race, that it would go well for you? Did you have a feeling?
0: No. I was in tears on the start line. Well, not on the start line, a couple of minutes before. I had done absolutely everything I could right, left nothing to chance. And then... We arrived at the race, and there was no one at our team camper. It was locked. Um, Why? Because the, the staff were looking after the junior men's race. Now I lost my shit big style. Yeah. Uh, burst into tears, just because I was so tightly, you know, sprung. I was just yeah. so ready for it, and that final detail, you know, I stood in the car park as the favourite of the world title, so this is ridiculous. Obviously since, you know, we've had post-world discussions or whatever and British Cycling, you know, admitted that they were a bit useless <laughs> and they've never been that useless since, but I was, yeah, actually after that teary moment, yeah. all the kind of stress and nervous energy and, left me and just felt good yeah i felt really good in the race
2: good to have a cry
0: yeah i mean i never cry ever so i think the girls around me were thinking what the hell are we meant to do <laughs> yeah. but, so i won that world title and i was already thinking about rio really the olympic games within next
2: thing next thing yeah, next thing just
0: completely focused and You know, it's crazy because your career is so short and you don't realize that until you're coming to the end of it. Yeah. I just thought that would be genuinely, I thought that would be one of many because I was that good and that strong. I was like, you know, (laughs) but looking back now, I realize so much went into that world title. Yeah. They're really not easy things to win. And I wish I'd celebrated it like it was the last one I was ever going to have, you know.
2: What about when you're back on these home roads? If so people recognise you? Say hello, want to race you. That often yeah. happens when pros are out in their backyard.
0: Uh, yeah, that does happen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I bet it's blokes. I bet it's not women. I bet it's <laughs> blokes, right?
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm really lucky that I come from Yorkshire because it's so popular now. Yeah. Like, every day I'm riding, there's people out on the bikes and I like being a part of that.
2: Tell me about round here then and you know, you're back here now. I know you've got a place just outside Harrogate too, which I guess you're planning to come back to when it's all done and dusted, are you? Will that be home afterwards?
0: Yeah, definitely. I'll be here in a shot. (laughs) We all will, yeah. I mean, I have my sister and my brother close by, my grandparents. We're a very close family, so I miss you know, the Sunday meal every day, every Sunday, I miss that,
1: yeah.
0: and I, I hate missing that, I hate missing just the day to day, like my family will say, oh Lizzie, it's boring, you're not missing anything, <laughs> but you are, you're missing people growing up, my niece and nephew are n- not toddlers anymore, they're children, yeah. and I haven't seen that, so...
2: So are you looking forward to it when it happens? I mean, not not rushing, but looking forward to it whenever you decide to call it quits?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Phil last week, I was saying, oh, do you not think we could just move back now, you know? And he's he's dead right, he's sensible, he's like, no, it'll have a detriment to your cycling, it's just one more year of dedication, we can do it, and he's right, you know?
2: Is that it? Will you call it quits in a year?
0: I think post Tokyo yeah. Oh, yeah. Well then. Yeah, I think post Tokyo that'll be me done.
2: Yeah. I mean you can always live here and still race as a pro, there's nothing stopping you training and you know, no, living there's in the UK. Not.
0: But if I'm doing it, I'm doing it to to win. I don't I don't wanna be anything less than the best version of what I can be and I think living abroad does help that.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, there are people who do it don't get me wrong, there are professionals who live in the UK and do it and are very successful at it, yeah. but I know my psyche and if I wake up and I've got to do four hours, I can do it in the sunshine and the mountains of Monaco or I can do it in the Grim up north, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> just, just being honest, like it's such a hard profession that it makes sense to take the easiest option.
2: On days like today though, the sun is out, you're in short sleeves, it's pretty special riding around here on a day like today, isn't it? It's lovely.
0: It's lovely, yeah. It's my favourite place in the world to ride. I love the terrain, like, standing for relentless up and down all day, suits my physical capabilities and yeah, I really do love it. Does it suit your capabilities
2: or did it form you? Did this landscape form the way you ride?
0: I'm not sure really not sure.
2: Because you have to be a punchy rider when you're growing up in Yorkshire. And I've ridden with the Downing Brothers, for example, and Ben Swift. And yeah. they say that it, this, is, this place made them ride and race the way they do.
0: Yeah, potentially. I mean, Yorkshire people like to think that they're full of grit and all that, don't they? <laughs> not soft southerners, you know. But no, I'm not sure about that. <laughs>
2: So it does beg the question, now that it's back on home roads, you've won the world before, you're getting back to the form that you want after having Aula, does it feel like the stars are starting to align
0: again? You know, if I'm successful in Yorkshire, it's a fairy tale, isn't yeah. it? And I'm, I know that fairy tales are just that, you know, they don't always happen, they rarely happen. But. I'm, you know, I'm believing in it because, like I say, from previous experience, you have to be happy to be successful. And I've made the decision by having a daughter to be happy and I'm enjoying cycling more than I ever have. So, um, yeah, the win would be the icing on the cake. Uh, but it's a massive challenge. It would
2: be massively popular, though, I think, on that. Saturday, there are going to be so many people lining the route. I dare say more than for the men's race, frankly, because you are the the hometown hero. Um, Yeah, no pressure. eh? No, sorry, I don't (laughs) want to.
0: (laughs) No, no, it's good. I like it. I mean, I don't understand when people let pressure get to them. Because if you analyze what pressure is, it's just lots of people wanting you to do well, which is a good thing, right?
2: I your old foe, Mariana is still there. She's having a bit of a renaissance, isn't she?
0: Oh, you can never discount Mariana. No. She would be one of the favorites, I think, for the Harrogate course. You think? Yeah, because she'll, she races so um, intelligently. Um, and one thing that she's always had, and she's never lost, is that finishing kick. And I think this, the course in Harrogate could come down to a reduced punch kick. Yeah. So.
2: The worlds are always attritional, aren't they? Like the yeah. Nationals, too, which obviously you know plenty about having won it three times. Yeah. You know, it's just like there are one day races, but then those sort of races for jerseys just seem to grind the peloton down, don't they?
0: Yeah, they do. And there's always people who lift their game for championship riders and I'd like to think I'm one of them. Um, The Italians are a team of people who rise for the big days. Like, the Italian team are always phenomenal. You can always lift their game, so they'll be a team to watch too.
2: I'm sure you feel the same, but I am already really excited. Yeah by the prospect of the World Championships being back on British roads in such a long time. And also in Yorkshire, and let's just finish by talking about your home county, God's own country, they keep telling me, but it has. I think this this part of Britain in particular has pushed the take up of cycling more than any other.
0: Yeah, the, the support in Yorkshire is phenomenal. Everyone likes a free party, especially in Yorkshire. (laughs) And that's how they see bike racing. It's not just about the sport, it's about having a street party before the race comes through or your community coming together. So yeah, there's always a party around it, which I think helps. Yeah. Don't take it too seriously, you know.
2: Well, I hope you enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I'm determined to enjoy it.
2: Good. For now, Lizzie, just such a privilege to ride with you on your home roads, seeing you back here in Yorkshire. Thanks so much for talking to me and riding with me.
1: Thanks for having me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European Linen.